at the end of the day, the players are the ones that win football games. Welcome to the Mainline Podcast. It's Christmas season, so uh, we've got a lot to cover still in regards to OU athletics, specifically college football, tons of recruits going on, lots of new changes for the program, uh, but uh, the whole crew is back, Tyler and Corbin. Guys, how are we doing? Doing good, guys. Three days, four days till Christmas. Can't complain. You guys have any big holiday plans? You staying around? I'm already in North Carolina, spending time with the family, uh, technically working, but mentally shut down. So I'm on <laughs> Christmas vacation. Preach. It's the exact same way here. Is uh, everybody coming out to you, Corbin, or are you flying back down here? Just my parents are going to be coming out. So first time kind of like hosting. So we'll see what happens. Just spent a crap ton in grocery money, uh, you know, yesterday getting everything ready to go. So we'll see. They'll be out here Friday through Monday. So so what, you're time. cooking? You're, you're in charge of this? I can cook. Yeah, I can cook. You, My stepdad's doing the prime rib for uh, the Christmas okay. uh, meal, but I got everything else. Nice. Yeah, me, nice. me and Kristen will hold down the fort. We're doing prime rib as well. Uh, turkey and ham, That's that, I get my fix of that on Thanksgiving. Christmas, kind of yep. switch it up a little bit, so fantastic choice. But no, it's it's going really good here. Obviously, we're, we're three days away. Um, just trying to run out the clock. Feels like every single time at work, I look up, okay, how much longer till 5 o'clock? Okay, let's get on to the next day. But uh, yep. no, we've got a lot of really good things to talk about. Um, bowl games are, are in effect. Um, and as you kind of alluded to, Corbin, kind of feels like COVID is starting to show its ugly head again and its impact on the – uh, the world of sports right now, but no, we got a lot to get to and I'm excited about it. So we're going to steer this ship away from COVID pretty quickly and talk about some more positive things that are happening, uh, mainly being around just some of the recruiting momentum that's that's happening with Sooner football right now. I think we're up to <laughs> rumored six silent commits, although one of them came... 27. That's right. 27. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just raised the bar. I mean, things got a little wild on Twitter uh, earlier this week, basically where Kobe McKenzie was and several other recruits uh, for that matter, were hinting at, you know, could there be possibly silent commits out there? It seems like Jaron Kanak is officially in and on board. At least someone with that same name has uh, enrolled at the university of Oklahoma. I don't, I don't think I missed a public announcement to this point, but Maybe by the time uh, this episode publishes, that will be something public. But uh, Tyler, are you buying all six of the silent commits? And if so, what's your uh, intuition telling you on that? No, I'm, I'm not buying it at all. And it's kind of interesting um, talking about Jaron. You know, he's in the OU database, but you look at his Twitter profile. Um, he still has a picture of him in his Clemson uniform as like the pin tweet. And it still says he's a football commit with Clemson. So I don't know. We'll, we'll kind of see how that plays out. But, you know, one of the things... Uh, guys that OU fans have been putting, I feel like most of their you know time and energy at- attention towards is recruiting and how Brent Venables uh, is going to try to close out this 2022 class. When we woke up this morning um, on arrivals, OU was ranked number 17 in the country with 15 commitments. Give uh, Brent Venables and this staff a ton of credit for keeping the bulk of this class that was already in place from when Lincoln and the staff were here, keeping them together, also adding in a few key pieces at the end of last week, Nick Evers. Um, Jaden Gibson, the, the two big ones, just to name a few. For the past few years, guys, I mean, Oklahoma's recruiting class, it kind of feels like it's been 95% done after the early signing period, and we can just kind of coast into, into the month of February and into spring football. 
but that's not going to be the case this season. OU is continuing to send out uh, new offers, especially in the state of Florida. Uh, I think the Venables, Levy, and, and Chavis have had a lot of success in the Sunshine State from, from their time at Ole Miss and as well at Clemson. Um, so hopefully they can continue that Florida pipeline to Oklahoma. And Adam, like what you talked about, with the new offers going out, we're starting to hear rumblings, especially from Kobe McKenzie. Uh, the OU Twitter space um, has kind of taken on a mind of its own over the past couple of weeks. You get on there every single night. There's anywhere from like 700 to, to 1,900 people in there at one time just talking about uh, college football. We're seeing recruits. We're seeing coaches. We're seeing beat writers becoming a part of that. And honestly, I think that that's kind of been – one of the the best things that's that's kind of happened to this fan base in terms of what we're going through right now over the last couple of weeks with the coaching change kind of feels like that's been an opportunity for everybody to kind of come together, voice their, their frustrations, and in a way it, it kind of feels like it's therapy. But no, I'm not buying the the six silent commits whatsoever. I do kind of have a few names here uh, that, that we'll touch on that I feel like could be part of this class at some point. But six commits, I'm, I'm not buying it right now. Yeah, I'm on the same page. It's probably two or three. Um, you know, as many people have spoken who would actually, you know, calm the waters of all the fan base going crazy, call it, uh, you know, high school kids talk. Um, they probably said one thing or another to Kobe. I think Kobe probably thinks there is six or seven, you know, silent commitments. Uh, but until we start seeing some more news and more official things coming out, uh, it's a little bit hard to believe. But I think, you know, guys, will be interesting down the stretch to see what takes place as far as, you know, we have this whole thought process of, you know, finding some diamonds in the rough, you know, late in the recruiting cycle versus, you know, is, are they just really just a three-star and maybe, you know, junior, senior year, they'll start contributing. It'll be interesting to kind of see how that plays out. I think, you know, all of us trust uh, Brent Venable's eye and his um, ability to find talent. Obviously he was doing that for a long time in Oklahoma and then Clemson. Um, I'm not as big on that guys. I think nowadays I, it just seems like recruiting um, as far as sites and publishers and, you know, the amount of people have at it, to me, it seems harder to find a diamond in the rough because the recruiting landscape's gotten so big as a business. Um, so I'd be surprised if we, you know, find a guy that we haven't heard of in the next couple of weeks comes out of nowhere. That's a three-star that signs ends up being crazy impactful at the university of Oklahoma. I hope I'm wrong. Um, but Adam, what's, what's your feel there? Diamond in the rough. Are they still a thing? Can we, can we see a few of those? I, I guess the way the best way to classify these types of guys is they're a diamond in the rough if they're a three-star that signs with your program <laughs> late in the game. Uh, but if they leave you, then they're just a three-star. So uh, that's kind of where I am at this point where, yeah, I think as a fan base, we're we're mostly done hurting. We're, we're recovering from, you know, what all the fallout that happened over the last couple of weeks. And so um, now it, it, we kind of need to turn and say like, Hey, we need to get some actually good guys in here. We don't need to just fill up the class with bodies, especially with the way the transfer portal works right now. And, um, taking in three stars. I mean, that's great. If Venables, you know, sees something in one of those guys that maybe he's identified or evaluated better than pretty much, you know, anybody else out there. That's great. Maybe that guy will turn out to be something, but the, the stats are out there. And like you mentioned, Corbin, the recruiting services are extremely good at what they do at this point to the fact that um, we know, statistically speaking, three stars by and large are not going to amount to, you know, really high level players. There's always going to be a few here and there, the guys that maybe are, are late bloomers, but for Sam the most Bradford. part, <laughs> Sam Bradford was a three star. That's right. Um, so, so, I mean, there's always those types of guys, but 
I mean, I, I just have a hard time getting excited about that because I know that those guys typically don't do anything. And most championship level teams are not built on, you know, that many three stars. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I'm taking it with a bit of caution. I think well, there I think can be like a grain of salt with the three stars, right? I mean, you look at like Oklahoma State this past year, one of the best defenses in the country. And the timing just aligned where all these kind of middle of the pack recruits were all old enough to really be impactful players on a defense. So I think... I think they can be beneficial if, if a player sticks it out long term and then you become an impactful junior, senior, maybe even, you know, redshirt senior player. But it's like how many kids are sticking around doing that nowadays? Not many, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the transporter being open. So, again, hope for the best, but I wouldn't expect, you know, for us to outside of the names we've already heard, I wouldn't expect mm-hmm. for us to have really high hopes for anybody else that uh, maybe commits between now and, and February. Well, and I think you're also kind of too late in the cycle to really expect like any of the four or five stars. It seems like those guys that are out there, they've kind of already signed. But, you know, recruiting has just changed so much in terms of the exposure for kids coming out of high school, whether it's the social media presence, um, the the big camps that, that are the, kind of the showcase camps that pop up all over across the United States. Um, that's a big one. And, you know, in terms of guys that uh, – Oklahoma's kind of in right now. There's two three stars that are based out of the state of Florida that there's already crystal balls in uh, pr- predictions for in terms of them ending up being a part of this champion 22 class um, in Mason Thomas and Ahmad Moton, two guys um, out of the state of Florida, that pipeline that we were talking about, guys that Brent Venables you know, sought out, see them as being a really good fit for uh, to play in his defense at Oklahoma. And, you know, guys, if you look on social media or listen to the radio, you hear OU fans time and time again downplaying all these recruits basically just because they're three stars, they're not rivals 250 guys. If they're so good, why haven't they committed and signed with somebody already? And while I think that's a good point, let's not forget that, you know, stars and rankings don't always necessarily matter. Um, I mean, we've seen time and time again, guys, you know, just in our fandom here at Oklahoma in a place like Norman where three-star guys come to Oklahoma, they get developed, they have a great collegiate career, and then they go on to have uh, some really good success in the NFL. You know, And some of them have been even better than good. I mean, you look at you know Baker Mayfield, three-star Heisman. Jason White, three-star Heisman. Trent Williams, he was a three-star. Nobody even paid any attention to him. He's a future Hall of Famer uh, and the highest-paid offensive lineman in the NFL. And you know, as recently as Orlando Brown and Creed Humphrey are three-stars that have came to OU. If you've got the talent in place – and you fit the mold that these coaches at Oklahoma can see and they feel like they can develop you, then, of course, you want to have the four- and five-star guys. But if they see you being a good fit, then they'll take you and they'll turn you into a ball player. Creed Talk- was a three-star? Creed was yeah, a three-star. I, kinda, I, I think it may have varied depending on which site you were looking at. Um, you know, I think you – I was looking at – I'm pretty sure I was looking at Rivals. Yeah, Rivals had him a three-star. Crazy. Yeah. That is, but it, I guess in some sense, like we're all very high on the new staff as far as developing that talent. I think that's one area where Lincoln's staff, maybe it was a strength and conditioning staff issue as well. But um, there were some some challenges where guys came in and just didn't really get that much better. And I know there was a lot mm-hmm. of uh, message board posters that have been pointing that out for a couple of years now. And it was really starting to rear its ugly head, you know, this season and last season where we just didn't have guys stepping up on the offensive line at the receiver position uh, for as much success and as much recruiting success that the team had. There just wasn't much of a pipeline of, of developed talent at a certain point. Well, and it also kind of feels like too, and it's been talked about, you know, time and time again over the last four to five years, the, well, I guess even over the better part of the last 10 to 15 years, even going all the way back to Bob's time, 
you know, OU was able to attract the three stars and maybe the low four stars and be able to elevate them to where they're playing like a five star on Saturdays. And it kind of feels like that's been something that's kind of kind of maybe hurt this program a little bit because they haven't been able to get the high four star five stars consistently like you see at the Alabamas and the Georgias. And for OU to take that next step, they've got to continue to recruit better and get those five star guys. And where if you do take a three star at them, it's maybe not a diamond in the rough, but you see that that three star like a Danny Stutzman is the exact type of guy that you want to play in your scheme and your brain of football. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of five stars, uh, Theo Weiss, former five star, yeah. has announced that he is returning to OU. If I were to give him a, a star grade on what he's done so far at OU, maybe it's a little unfair. I'd give him a three stars um, simply because he's had some injuries and some different challenges there. But I think OU fans are still excited for what he could potentially do. We haven't seen Caleb Williams throw him a pass. That's kind of a weird thing to think mm-hmm. about, but that's most likely, um, knock on wood, his quarterback next year. So uh, I, does that, um, I guess, raise the likelihood in your minds that Caleb Williams stays? And, and is that exciting to you that Theo Weiss is returning? I mean, you would think that's a positive sign. We even heard rumors of you know Marvin Mims potentially entering the portal, and he hasn't done that. And based on you know some of the interviews, he seems pretty locked into the program. So I think that would be a good sign. I also think you know the uh, the Gabriel kid that would end up going to UCLA rather than coming here when he was basically a lock for wherever Levy went. That seems to be a good sign. But I'm not totally ready to put that to bed with Caleb Williams yet. I think that is a family that likes to take their time and figure out things maybe a little slower than what the normal, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old kid probably does nowadays. So Mm -hmm. until, you know, we probably get to next kind of late early spring, I'll probably always have a thought in the back of my mind. If, if, you know, he potentially bolts and finds somewhere else. My question is, and we've discussed this before, where, I mean, unless it is to USC or even like an LSU, which now doesn't really make sense. Like, I just don't know where where he goes. And you would think with a guy who seems to value, you know, kind of loyalty and things like that, you know, could he could he follow a guy like Lincoln? Um, you know, and, and that even raises more questions. You know, can can he and Lincoln figure out? Well, can Lincoln in general figure out how to run or move an offense against you know a defense just going to sit back and keep everything in front of them? So. If I'm Caleb, and obviously I'm not, um, I would have a lot of questions about uh, following Lincoln Riley to USC. I'd feel more confident with with Coach Levy after seeing what he did with Matt Corral last year and maybe just getting a fresh start and putting some pieces together, knowing that Venables is going to have the defense you know, up and running, you would think, in a pretty short amount of time. Well, I mean, just starting, you know, there's there's so many different factors that are going to go into deciding, you know, whether or not Caleb's going to want to stay. And, I mean, it starts with Theo Weiss. I think that that was kind of the – the first big domino to fall, obviously him deciding that he's going to come back for 2022. This is a big deal for not just Caleb Williams, but I think it's a big deal for Oklahoma as a whole because they lost Jaden Hazelwood to Arkansas. Uh, Mike Woods, we think he's going to the NFL after the bowl game. We obviously don't know yet um, unless he cashes in his COVID year. And it's I think it's important mostly because of the fact that OU only signed two wide receivers in this class. Uh, so death could be kind of an issue if we don't you know, go into the portal. Um, as far as, you know, as far as Caleb goes, I, I think he's coming back. I, th- I think that the last two weeks in the portal as having been as crazy ridiculous with the amount of quarterbacks moving all over the place, I don't think he's going to USC. I think that that bridge with Riley has kind of been burned. There's been some more and more things that we've, that have kind of come out and talked about how much like the fan base, 
found out how uh, Riley was going to USC. Caleb Williams and his family had absolutely no knowledge of it whatsoever, and they found out just like we did. So uh, I'm not sure what the draw would be to USC outside of LA. They were a four and eight football team last year. Don't really have much talent. Damn sure don't have the talent, the pedigree that Oklahoma still has on campus right now. Um, outside of the possibility of Notre Dame, where, like you said, Corbin, where is he going to go that's going to put him in the best position uh, to succeed in Oklahoma with Jeff Levy? It's not like Notre Dame puts quarterbacks in the NFL consistently year in and year out. So when you factor in guys like Theo Weistang, Marvin Mims dropping the comment that he's excited to work with Schmitty and get into the offseason, you'd have to think that spells good news for Oklahoma retaining Caleb Williams. And Corbin, you've said it time and time again over the last two to three weeks. If he decides to come back, the love that this fan base has for Baker Mayfield, I think regardless of what Caleb Williams does the rest of his career at Oklahoma, because he decides to come back and he shows that loyalty to OU, I think that you will be at that Baker level type of love and affection from this fan base that only one other quarterback has experienced. Before we move on to the uh, the next little topic here, any other potential transfer risks, um, guys that you have your eye on that maybe you're a little concerned about? I'm curious if we see any movement from the secondary. A lot of young guys uh, back there, you would think, um, you know, with Venables taking the helm, they'd be excited to play in, in that type of defense. But there's just a lot of guys who I, I think you probably probably fair to assume had a bad taste in their mouth after how last year kind of played out. Um, or I guess this year we're still in it. Um, but that would be an area I think I'd probably just keep an eye on. But again, does Venables hire alone without even having a cornerbacks coach at this point? Does his hire alone kind of give those guys some some confidence moving forward? We'll see. Yeah, I had three guys as well. Bryson Washington, Kendall Dennis, and Marcus Major was was my third one, especially with the fact that we're bringing in Gavin Sawchuk. Sounds like we're in a really good position right now with Javante Barnes. Marcus Major hasn't really had an impact on this team since the, uh, what, the two or three carries he had in the Cotton Bowl last year. So we'll see if now that Lincoln Riley is not Norman, uh, if Marcus Major can actually carry the football uh, in uh, next Wednesday night at Alamo Bowl. Kennedy Brooks is going to the NFL, right? Like this is, this is it for him, right? His stock can't get any higher by coming back. It I sure agree. seems like that, but he is the one guy that I, I just think he's a, wired a little bit different in the sense that he did probably hadn't thought about it that much. Like I truly think he probably hasn't thought about it. I think he'll probably end up going because that's the right decision, but he's just a little, a little bit of a quiet, unusual type of guy. So it wouldn't surprise I, me either way. I said it about Samaje, and he proved me wrong, but I don't see Kennedy Brooks being in the NFL. I mean, I know he's a really, really good collegiate running back, but I just don't I don't know how his skill set kind of translates in there. He's got tremendous vision, don't get me wrong, but the speed, maybe the lack of size and strength, I don't know, that could that could be a problem. But NFL's weird, though. I mean, the, the top, top running back, sure, they're all names that we've heard of, but, I mean, you go through some of the starting running backs in the second string, third string running backs in the NFL, and they're just – from out of nowhere. Um, so you just, you never know how that's going to play out. But one thing you do know is important for a running back is tread on the tires. And Kennedy has got some, I know he took a year off, but he's got some tread on the tires. I just, if his goal is to go play NFL, I don't know why he would come back. I mean, to me, there's, there's nothing else for him to do um, that's going to raise his draft stock any higher. So maybe he is wired different. Maybe he comes back. That obviously would be a great addition. But if he goes, I wonder if, if Marcus Major stays. I think that would be, to me, that would make sense, but who knows? Well, the shelf life on running backs, too, in the NFL is so short. I mean, it kind of feels like you can interchange running backs, you know, time and time again. I mean, Le'Veon Bell just got signed by the Buccaneers today. So, 
Uh, I mean, if he wants to play, he'll he'll get an opportunity. I'm not sure what his combine stats would be, um, what his 40 time would be, but you'd have to think he'd have a chance to make a roster uh, and, you know, at least have somewhat of a chance to, to play in the NFL. But that, that's just kind of another storyline that'll be interesting to follow. Um, but Corbin, what do we got coming up with bowl season? Yeah, I was curious to kind of get everybody's thoughts here. So kind of excluding the playoffs, excluding the OU Oregon game, you know, we have a a pretty strong list of bowl games. Honestly, one kind of underrated that I'm watching right now between UTSA and San Diego State. Um, curious to kind of just uh, in the the big picture of, of all the bowls upcoming over the next couple of weeks, who are you all excited to watch? Any games kind of stick out to you? Who is there a game or two you're like, I have to make sure I watch this game? Very curious to kind of get your, uh, your suggestions on that. There's two, um, and hopefully I'm not stealing all of y'all's, but uh, for me, it's this Thursday night, the Gasparilla Bowl between UCF and Florida. I, I look at these two teams and I say, I know for sure UCF is excited to be there. They want to beat Florida so bad. And I think Florida may be not as excited to be there, but they definitely don't want to lose to UCF. So I think that one could be a, a complete blast, you know, regardless of who wins that one. Second one for me, a little bit different reasoning, Ole Miss and, uh, and Baylor in the Sugar Bowl. I want to see what Jeff Levy's offense uh, looks like, how he calls plays, um, things like that. So I don't know that, that will necessarily tell us whether he's a, failure or success at OU, but um, it might give us a little hint and a preview of what we can expect. Yeah. Uh, I don't have UCF Florida uh, on my card. Not really, not, not too interested in that one. I'll watch it just cause I'm a football fan, but no, that's, I, I've got two, two on this one. And by the way, Brent Venables, his Twitter account is public now. Go give him a follow the, the head, new head ball coach for Oklahoma two for me. Um, it starts with Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state. This one to me has some really good storylines surrounding it. Um, Notre Dame first came since Brian Kelly left for LSU. Marcus Freeman inserted into the uh, head coaching job in, in South Bend. I think that that was a fantastic hire. I can't wait to see what he does with that program. Um, those guys, that program, those players, they kind of went through the, uh, the same thing that Oklahoma did with Lincoln Riley leaving for USC, um, which that being such shocking news. I think the Irish are going to be up for this game. Um, then with Oklahoma State, you're talking about a team that was six inches away from winning the Big 12 championship and possibly making the college football playoffs. So, how is Mike Gundy's team going to respond in this situation? What's Spencer Sanders going to be able to do uh, against this fighting Irish defense? I doubt much, but you would think the first-team All-Big 12 quarterback would be able to put some drives together for four quarters. I uh, had to sprinkle that in there. And lastly, guys, um, like you said, Adam, it's Baylor Ole Miss. I can't wait to watch this game, not because I have any invested interest in either team, but because I want to watch how Jeff Levy and Matt Corral stack up against this Baylor defense. Dave Aranda and the Bears – shut down Lincoln Riley's offense the last two seasons. Let's see how Oklahoma's new offensive coordinator attacks Baylor, and we'll see if it works. Yeah, Notre Dame-Oklahoma State's a big one for me. What is that, first team to 20 probably wins, if that? I mean, that's yeah. going to be an absolute dogfight. I, I don't know, and this might sound crazy, I don't know if Oklahoma State scores because I think like that that Notre Dame, Notre Dame team is going to be pretty pissed. And I think, um, you know – that new head coach, like you mentioned, Tyler, you know, Marcus Freeman, I think he is going to have that that team ready to go. Um, and so we'll see how that one goes again. Yeah, Baylor and Ole Miss for obvious reasons there. Kind of a couple others that I'm, I'm interested in, Utah versus Ohio State. Does Ohio State have any interest in playing that game whatsoever? Because you know Utah will. That could be another, as crazy as it sounds, another signature win for the Pac-12 against, uh, against the Buckeyes. And then, Adam, we'll love to get your thoughts on this. How many points does Pitt put up against Michigan State because you know they're going to throw the ball all over the field. Well, Kenny Pickett has already opted out, right? He's not? Okay, I didn't, yeah. I figured that was the case, hadn't seen it. Not that I, you know, I'm not following pit football. (laughs) Yeah, so I would have thought, man, they'd put up a ton on Michigan State, but now without that, now Kenneth Walker's still opted out. 
Peyton Thorne is, you know, the quarterback for Michigan State. They've got some good receivers. Uh, I don't know. I, this is one of those ones where it's just tough because so many people, key players have opted out. And I guess both teams are excited to be there. Peach Bowl is a good bowl for both those programs, but it, it's going to be strange for sure. One other game that you guys put on here, is anybody interested in Iowa versus Kentucky? So moving on to our next segment, uh, there was, this is uh, something that was, I think, first brought up by uh, Bob Prisbillo over on Sooner Scoops. Basically just talking about a lot of the, the key moments and memories of the, uh, the last five years of OU football. You know, some of the big games like OU Ohio State in 2017, some of the uh, Big 12 championship games, uh, some of the key players that were involved in those like Baker or Kyler. And I guess the, the question is, you know, are any of those games, you know, kind of tainted in your memory or maybe is there an asterisk kind of beside some of those? Like, how do you guys feel now looking back on those games, knowing that Lincoln was the coach at that point? I don't have much on this question, and to be honest, I don't really understand how somebody could feel differently about those games or those players just because Lincoln Riley is no longer the coach. I mean, of course, Lincoln Riley played a key part in those wins and with the individual success of Baker and Kyler, but at the end of the day, the players are the ones that win football games. The players won those championships. Baker and Kyler won those Heisman trophies. Yeah, it's it's different going back and forth watching those games, particularly the 2021 OU Texas just a few months ago, seeing Lincoln on the sidelines for him. But, guys, at the end of the day, Caleb Williams going 70 yards on fourth and one against Texas. Caleb Kelly stripping Xavier Worthy on the kickoff return. Kennedy Brooks with the walk-off touchdown to win the game. That's what I'll remember about that OU Texas game. The players and the plays are what creates those moments, not who the coach was. So it doesn't really take anything away from me, the fact that he's no longer on the sidelines. I, I can get there. I can see how someone would have a little more of a distaste in their mouth looking back at some of those games where Riley was the head coach. I mean, you know, we, we talked about it for the past couple of weeks. Like, oh, you just – we just don't lose head coaches. You know, there's the, – the head coaches are typically tied to, you know, some of the, the key games and key players in this program. And so – I don't know if it's necessarily disdain for how I view the, the players or the games anymore. I think it's just maybe a little more of a disconnect and like the excitement of remembering those things kind of in hindsight. Um, you know, especially you look at a guy like Baker and, and Baker has the the love from this entire fan base, but him and him and Lincoln were connected at the hip. I mean, like those were two guys that were similar, um, you know, kind of, reacted the same way i mean hell baker had lincoln, to sit had, had yeah. to sit a possession and lincoln was crying about it yeah. so i can see how someone would get there should that be the case no but i mean again we just we just don't deal with with head coach turnover at the university of oklahoma and so it does put kind of this weird taste maybe it's just more of a unfamiliar territory of i just don't like it anymore you know type of thing now, i'm not saying i'm all the way there but i i went back just out of curiosity went back and watched like the OU Texas highlights from this past year. And it, it did feel different. It was, it was still great in the sense of watching, you know, what took place in that game, but it was like that guy, that guy left us and it, yeah. it just kind of felt, felt kind of weird. Well, it's kind of like breaking up with a girlfriend and then yep. going back to some familiar places that you shared where it's, yeah, it's a good experience being there, but there's always just kind of in the back of your mind. Oh, I had that moment with this person yep. at this particular place. Yeah, I think a lot of this can really change if Venables wins a championship in a couple of years here and we can go, hey, like we're not nearly as mad at Lincoln at that point because we got our guy and we got a championship and that's what really matters at the end of the day. 
for me personally, I, I haven't gone back and, and looked at anything yet, but um, I I think it won't be too crazy. I don't typically look back at some you know Bob Stoops games and the first thing that comes to mind is, oh, Bob Stoops was the coach Aww. or anything like that. It's typically about the players, um, just how Bob would want it to be anyway. So um, we'll see. And I think probably what will be a really telling, um, you know, of, of this is we really haven't heard anything from Kyler or Baker at this point. Um, you know, what their feelings are on how everything went down. I'm sure we'll, we'll find out some more maybe in the off season as those guys start doing some interviews around the you know media circuit. But um, I, I don't think Lincoln comes back um, for those Heisman trophy ceremonies. Mm-hmm. I think those, those statues are basically done if I, if I'm correct. So I don't think that they're going to keep those things under wraps for too long. Those are really great recruiting tools. So um, they need to get those those statues out and up up in uh, Heisman Park, and I don't think Lincoln's a part of that at all. How long do you think it is before Lincoln is welcomed back? Exactly what I was about to ask. I, I think I, it depends on how he does at USC. I think if that's he, a good point. I mean, five years, ten years. If he if he falls on his face at USC, then I think that the sting is a little bit less. Yeah. But if he goes out there and turns into Pete Carroll two and does win a national championship at USC, back. he'll never be welcomed back. I, in a way, like I don't want to compare it to Kevin Durant because it's not the same scenario, but it's worse. I yeah, I I don't feel like Durant is necessarily welcome back in OKC at this point still. So I don't know. I I don't know if there will be a point. It could be could be never, and maybe he has no interest in being welcomed back anyway. I mean, it's a two way street there. I think it'll be interesting, and again, over the course of time, the question will kind of answer itself whether or not. OU made Lincoln Riley what he was, or Lincoln was responsible for OU success over the last five to six years. So time will tell on that. And then Adam, one last thing in terms of like the legacy games, and if you know has the nostalgia gone away since Lincoln Riley is no longer here anymore. If there's one game that I maybe can kind of get behind, it is 2017 OU at Ohio State. That big win in the shoe. Obviously, we were embarrassed the year before at home when Bob was still the head coach. So that was kind of that was kind of Lincoln's coming out party as a coach. And there was kind of that, I don't know, like a, a sense of pride. And there was that, you know, being proud to be an Oklahoma fan. You kind of felt like, okay, we've kind of reached that next level. We're climbing. We've got Baker. We got Kyler waiting in the wing. So that could be one where you go back and watch that game and be like, okay, that's that, that, that's different now. That hits home a little bit. Yeah. Now, one of these days, we'll stop talking about Lincoln Riley. Uh, so uh, for now, I guess we'll, we'll move on from that into uh, something that's maybe a little bit more brighter, uh, which is our basketball update. We won't have a uh, women's update as they're playing, I guess, as we're recording this. Mm-hmm. But uh, men's, uh, they did have a game this past weekend. They've got one uh, coming up here soon as well. Uh, Corbin, what's the uh, men's basketball update? Yeah, it seemed like a uh, you know defensive battle. Uh, Sooners took care of uh, UT Arlington seventy to fifty last week. Uh, up next, uh, a massive matchup with Alcorn State, who is currently one and ten on the year. Uh, so should be a real barn burner there. Guys currently ranked in the AP poll number twenty six, so just sitting outside the uh, twenty five. I think Texas Tech is uh, ranked one spot. Uh, in front of us, you know, we kind of round out. Assuming you know the team takes care of Alcorn State. You know, how do we feel about the non-conference schedule? To me, it kind of feels a little fool's gold-ish, you know, just to kind of break down. So Utah State, obviously, we lost to them. Uh, They have followed up since then, losses to St. Mary, BYU, and Iowa. Granted, three pretty good losses, but still, you know, that gives them, I believe, four losses on the year. Uh, Since we lost to Butler, a game that should not have been lost, uh, you know, Butler went and got smashed by Purdue, uh, you know, last week. And then, you know, you look at the two big wins, Florida – 
has now lost to Texas Southern and Maryland. Arkansas lost to Hofstra right after they lost to OU. So those wins are a little bit diluted. I think the good news is if you look at those four as kind of the, the key matchups in the non-conference, they're all four pretty good names. And they're going to carry some weight when it comes to the committee, regardless of how those teams end up playing down the stretch. Um, you know, And I know that we, we don't want to get into a COVID chat, but guys, that, that's going to come into play. Uh, and it might sound weird, but it may it may be good timing. We, we've talked about OU schedule to start the Big 12 Conference. It's a gauntlet. Uh, if they could spread out some of those uh, those games where it wasn't just back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, maybe, maybe that helps. Um, but, yeah, just kind of all in all for me, non-conference, I, I would have wanted a little bit more kind of seeing how things have played out so far, but curious to get both of your thoughts. Play the games, but no fans at Allen uh, at Allen Fieldhouse in the in the fog. I'd, I'd be totally okay with that. Play the game, but no no fans in the stands in Lawrence. One of these days, OU is going to win in Lawrence. Uh, well, I guess I don't know. They might not play them too many more times after this. But uh, in my entire lifetime, I'm I'm 28 years old. I have never witnessed an OU win in uh, in fog. So uh, we'll see. But. Uh, this I'd give this offseason or this uh, non-conference uh, slate kind of a B. You know, there was some really good wins. There were some not so great losses that, you know, you really could have capitalized on. They could be undefeated right now, in my opinion. Um, safely in as an eight seed under uh, the bracketology as it stands today, which is pretty meaningless. But I'll take it. Um, but yeah, I think there's I think there's some really good things. I think there's a lot of excitement. I think we're hopefully going to see some, you know, some full stadiums um, here in the uh, conference play that will potentially help us. Um, so We'll see. I mean, it, as always, this year looks tough in the Big 12, maybe tougher than than any other year, too. So um, I, I want to make sure that, you know, we keep some balance to ourselves. In all the long Kruger years, we always saw the ups and downs as we got into conference play where things were terrible, things were great, things were terrible again. So if we can get some more balance there, um, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah the Big 12. Go ahead, Tyler. I was just to say the Big 12's best conference in basketball and the gauntlet that is in front of OU right now in the conference play, the fact that they were able to pick up those two big-time wins against uh, quality teams like a Florida and an Arkansas, I think that that's gonna, that could ultimately be a key factor uh, once we get close to March Madness time in terms of maybe that's the difference between like a 7 seed or a 10 seed, um, something to, to help us out with that a little bit. But Corbin, what do we have? We're bringing back an old topic for, for old time's sake. Yeah, quickly before we get into that, I saw a crazy stat today. For anybody who actually does follow basketball, the Duke Blue Devils in the ACC, which we all think is one of the best conferences in basketball, they do not have a ranked team on the schedule for the rest of the year. Just let that sit there because that is one of the craziest things I think I've ever, ever read in the sporting field, that the ACC has one ranked team. Uh, so crazy goes to show you know how good the Big 12 conference is not only this year but how they've been able to do it year after year after year after year so uh, exciting uh, basketball games ahead in Norman and around the Big 12 country but yeah guys heading into you know the holiday spirit hopping right into this it's been what a few months since we've done a Mount Rushmore uh, we've had plenty to talk about I'm glad we haven't had to rely on a Mount, Mount Rushmore to uh, to fill our our script here but yeah guys we're gonna go through uh christmas movies our top christmas movies and before we say anything one easy question is die hard a christmas movie i've never seen it i've seen parts of it i mean it has a christmas tree happens right i mean what defines a christmas movie a movie that happens at christmas right I, I well that really opens the door to a lot of movies. I, I thought I saw a tweet that said Bruce Willis said Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. I don't know if that's well, true or not. So 
I'm not going to argue with Bruce Willis then. I, I, <laughs> I feel like it's open to interpretation for anyone that wants to pick that movie. That's fair. Nice, nice playing both sides of the fence, Adam. Adam, kick us off with uh, your top overall choice for your Christmas movie list. Well, now that I've got that intel on uh, on how you guys feel there, um, I actually think I might leave uh, both of y'all's top uh, picks on the board um, if I if I know you guys well enough. So um, I'm going to start it off with uh, White Christmas, a classic uh, Bing Crosby movie, probably one of the ones that I've seen the most. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily my favorite, but I'm not a I'm not a big Christmas movie guy, so we'll, we'll see how this goes for me. Yeah, we should just end, end this segment right then and there, and that'd be fine. Uh, I guess I'm next. I'm going to get get us back on track here, Tyler. Uh, Christmas Vacation for me, that's that's the top movie. Uh, I I had I did not think that was going to still be there. You know, I had the second pick. Yeah, Christmas Vacation, that's easy. A lot of I, don't know that, I don't know that I've ever seen that one. Oh, gosh. Adam, I have a feeling why Christmas would have been there even at number four for you. So I, I don't know that – I'm not sure that any of my movies are on your, y'all's list. I think that's likely after your first choice. Yes, maybe. I damn it, Corbin. I Christmas Vacation is my number one choice. Uh, but since I get back to back here, uh, I'm going Home Alone. Um, for me, outside of Chevy Chase, it really doesn't get any better uh, than uh, than Kevin McAllister fighting off the bullies. So Home Alone is number one for me, an all time classic. Just just clarity, the first Home Alone. Yeah, we'll, we'll do number one. Might have to circle back for number two. Two's good and it's is good in its own right. But number one, um, that that stands at the top for me. Uh, which way do I want to go on this? Um, pick number two for me. I'm going to go with the Santa Claus. I'm a big Tim Allen guy. I grew up on it. Kind of came out as we, as we were, um, you know, real, real young, kind of growing up. Uh, that, That was a big one for me. It was always playing the Burton household on Christmas Eve. So, um, home alone pick number one, Santa Claus pick number two. Those are solid. Very solid. Back to me, right? Uh, let's see. I could do one of two here. I don't think Adam's going to pick either one, so I think they're both safe. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go How the Grinch Stole Christmas uh, with Jim Carrey. Uh, that's a classic to me. Been watching that quite a bit lately. So yeah, we'll go uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas there. Great choice. I am thinking that uh, my picks are completely safe. I'm on a totally different track <laughs> than you guys. Um, of the four that you guys have mentioned, Home Alone's the only one that I've seen. So <laughs> I'm in a different I'm in a different universe. Um, wow. Number two for me, I am going to go with uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> I love, <laughs> I love this movie as a kid, so um, that's an easy one for me. Uh, Kermit playing uh, Tim Cratchit, I think that's his name. Yeah, uh, it's been a little while since I've seen that one, so I'll need to brush up on it. Um, and then uh, number that, three, that, Adam, that pick would have also been safe at number four, <laughs> probably. I think all mine might be um, <laughs> number number three for me. I'm going to go with a, a, a really old classic. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. I think it's probably uh, one that I saw most Christmases as well. Um, a really, really old one, black and white even. So um, it's uh, it's been around for a while. You know, I'm the one that's supposed to be in the state that's like, you know, known for drugs. But Adam, you are high on your picks right now. Uh, so I'm just going to leave that there. I figured this one would still be available. I'm going Elf for my third pick. Uh, just a classic. Yep. Alpha number three. Good choice. Uh, I've got both of mine. Uh, my last two that I'm going to put on here. Um, pick number three for me. It's uh, it's an old time. It's a classic. Um, you'll shoot your eye out. I'm going with the Christmas story. Um, it's Oof. one. It, it runs 24 straight hours, starting on Christmas Eve, goes all the way through. Chances on two are, channels. 
on two <laughs> channels. So I'll probably watch it at least twice uh, in that 24 hour period. So Christmas story uh, is number three for me. There's two good ones here. I'm, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave home alone two off, off of mine. Maybe that can be an honorable mention. This is kind of a sleeper pick. I don't know if you guys have actually seen this Jack Frost with Michael. Great Keaton. movie. Fantastic Great movie. movie. Fantastic movie. Yep, as a kid who grew up playing hockey, that was that was my yeah. wheelhouse. Uh, I didn't know if you guys would uh, would have heard of that, but that's that's yep. a good one for me. That's a good one. Yeah, I had that on my list as well. Uh, so my final pick, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay away from Home Alone two. Um, I, I had had some others in here that will have I, for me. It's Christmas with the Cranks. I think that is an underrated yes. movie. Yeah, that one's really good too. Um, so I'll I'll round up my my fourth with Christmas with the Cranks. Luther Crank. Yep. So for my last pick, well, you got I guess, Rudolph. I guess I'll go with uh, with Die Hard then, um, <laughs> if, if you guys will allow it. I, I like Die Hard. Um, so you guys hinted me uh, there at the beginning that I didn't have to pick that uh, first off the bat, but it turns out none of my picks were going to be off the table anyway. So I only had like eight on my list anyway. So I was like, man, I hope they don't pick any of my top, you know, four because I'm I'm basically you're done. safe. You're safe, buddy. Tyler, hey, but, honorable mentions. Who else do you have? What else do you have? I had Home Alone 2 on there yeah. as mine. Christmas with the Cranks was also another one. Um, did I have anything else on here? I had a, a Charlie Brown Christmas. That's obviously oh, a classic. I'm surprised that didn't make it on Adam's list. That just kind of seems, you know. In the Never seen category. it. Never <laughs> seen it. Uh, the only other one, I, the, I guess I had two. I had Polar Express. I think that's a pretty solid uh-huh. one. That's a good uh, one. And then Four Christmases is pretty solid, too, if you haven't seen that one. I don't think I've seen that one. Has a uh, Reese uh, Witherspoon and um, oh, who's the tall guy in uh, Wedding Crashers? What's his name? Vince, Vince Vaughn. Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Yep. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Good. The the, uh, the only honorable mention on mine, uh, which is because my mom was campaigning for this one and we watched it last night, was uh, while you were sleeping, uh, Sandra Bullock uh, film. So kind of more Christmas adjacent than a Christmas movie, but uh, it's a solid '90s. Uh, Should have had her on the podcast. We uh, we will have Sandra Bullock on next week. Um, so that's a, probably <laughs> yeah. a, a good place to, to end it here. Um, we will have a special episode that uh, we'll release next week, uh, previewing Short. the Alamo Bowl Short. and uh, some of the other things that are going on at that point. So uh, greatly appreciate everyone listening. We hope you have a Merry Christmas, and uh, we will see you guys again here next week. Make sure to give us a follow. Us, uh, make sure to give us a follow on Twitter as well at the mainline pod. And uh, if you've made it this far, give us a uh, review on Apple podcasts as well. We greatly appreciate that as that really helps others uh, find our podcast as well. So uh, that'll do it for us tonight. And uh, we'll see everyone again next week. 